I felt that I learned more about how to be an engaged and respectful citizen during this time. I had a lot of professors where at the beginning of each class, we would check in with each other and speak if we felt comfortable about how we were doing, where we were in the world, and one positive thing that we had experienced that week. And that kind of just reinforced the fact that yes, we are at college, obviously, to get an education on whatever we're studying and kind of lean on each other for support. And it kind of just brought in more of like a community aspect to college where maybe you're just rushing from class to class and you don't even sit and talk and ask someone else how they're doing. So this experience just humanized how we felt about, at least I felt about professors and about my fellow classmates. Hello, and welcome to Ingenious U, the podcast where we talk about higher education, innovative practice, and leading-edge thinking. Your host is Melissa Morris Olson. Higher education is undergoing a transformation which we have not seen in our lifetime. Prior to the pandemic, higher education was already experiencing disruption, which has only accelerated in this current moment. Nearly all colleges and universities are scrambling to redefine their futures, and for many, their very survival is now in question. In each episode of Ingenious U, we will talk with leading edge thinkers whose expertise and experience are at the forefront of this transformation. Our guests will include college and university leaders, innovators, and other professionals who are experimenting with new approaches and ways of thinking about higher education. Be sure to hit subscribe to Ingenious U wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss out on a single episode. And if you like what you hear, you can rate and review this podcast and share this with your friends and colleagues so they can join the conversation too. Ingenious U is a production of CHELIP, the Center for Higher Education, Leadership, and Innovative Practice at Baypath University. To learn more about CHELIP, visit our website at baypath.edu forward slash academics and select centers of excellence. and welcome to this episode of Ingenious You. The pandemic has turned everything on its head virtually overnight for colleges and universities in our country. Beginning in early March and with several weeks still to go in spring semester, nearly all institutions shut down, leaving their students with few options other than to finish their courses online from their homes or wherever they could find a place to stay. Activities were disrupted, faculty had to quickly pivot their courses to online delivery, and there is still considerable uncertainty about how colleges and universities will resume their operations in the fall. I'm pleased to be joined for this episode by four college and university students who are in the midst of this period of disruption. While much attention has been paid in recent weeks to the administrative and the faculty perspective, the student experience has been relatively missing from the conversation, especially for institutions that consider themselves to be student focused and frankly, who doesn't? It is imperative to hear from our students about how they have been impacted and what their hopes and fears are for the fall and beyond. My student panelists for this conversation represent a variety of institutions from across the country, as well as academic fields of study. So let me begin by introducing each one starting with their first names and what they study and anything else that they would like to share. So um, we have Akila 
who is joining us from her home in Chicago. So welcome, Akila. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. I'm a rising junior and I study computer science and I'm ah. very excited to be here. Ah, great. Thank you. Uh, Feng Tao. Hi, I'm Feng Tao. I'm also a rising junior and I'm studying neuroscience and creative writing. Okay, great. Thank you. Renee? Hi, I'm Renee. I'm also a rising junior and I'm majoring in history and double minoring in, in environmental science and East Asian studies. Mm. Okay, and last but not least, Grace. Hi, I'm also a rising junior and I'm pre-med majoring in medical anthropology and economics. Okay, wow. Well, that is a variety range of, of study. Um, and as university students, you are each living through something that will go down in history as one of those really huge transitional times in our lives. Your generation will be known as the post-COVID generation. Each of you is enrolled as a residential student, or you were um, in the spring, and you found yourself needing to pivot uh, your learning experience virtually overnight. Um, our listeners, I think, would like to know what the experience has been like for you as a student. What was it like uh, to have to change your plans so quickly on a dime? Um, Feng Tao, you want to start us off? Yeah, of course. Um, the experience for me was, um, I think, easier than a lot of people. Um, they gave me about, um, well, they gave me two days to move out, which was, um, it seemed short, but my family lived close to my institution. So it was um, an easy process to move out. And then when I was home, I had um, a quiet environment to do my homework and to attend lecture but I know that that's not the case for some people and at my school there was a lot of controversy about um, extending the deadline for um, choosing to uh, take class pass fail but yeah overall I think that my experience was um, pretty easy although I am aware that for a lot of other people they don't share the same experience as me. How about others? I think for me personally, um, my institution, we were notified, we came home for spring break. And during that spring break, we were told that we wouldn't be going back. And so I think that was just a bit of an adjustment um, in our mindset for a lot of students who did not realize when we left that we wouldn't be seeing anyone again, and especially for seniors who had a lot of um, expectations for the end of the year that just did not get fulfilled. And then um, similar to Feng Tao though, I had um, at home a pretty simple, um, quiet environment where it was easier to um, work online, which wasn't like a lot of other students. So institution also had a pretty big debate on whether or not um, universal pass, no pass, um, opt-in pass, pass, no pass, and opt-out pass, no pass, which um, option would be best for students and there's a big vote through our student government and I think ultimately we um, the students chose that they wanted to have um, opt-in or no maybe it was yeah opt-in um, pass no pass and that's what the university stuck with but I think uh, yeah similar to Feng Tao I had a relatively smooth process. So that's interesting Grace your university that means your faculty voted to go along with what the students wanted in terms of the opt-in? I'm not quite sure what role the university student government 
played in my university. Um, I have heard from others, though, that the role was pretty significant in extending the deadline mm -hmm. that we had for pass, no pass. So I know the university did choose to go. I'm not sure how much we contributed to that decision. But yes, yeah. that was the ultimate. Um, yeah. Well, and I and I am I'm aware that many universities made those kinds of adjustments for their students um, as a result of the shift to online, which was quite a quite an adjustment for many, many students. Uh, Renee or Akila, anything you would add? Um, similar to both Grace and Funtao's experiences, um, my transition was pretty easy. The same thing with pass or fail that we had was at first they extended it to any class that wasn't a requirement for either university credit or for your major or minor. Um, and then there wasn't like a outcry of um, from the students um, requesting from faculty and administration that this be extended to um, requirements and major and minor requirements as well. And after about like a few days, um, a new um, plan was put in place that allowed for pass-fail to be for any class. Mm. Uh, so they really did listen to the students once they heard their voices. Which is a, which is a great thing. I would think that must have been reassuring to students. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So that's a great example of something that your institution did right during spring semester that was appreciated. I'm wondering if there are other things that you can point to now as you look back that you think your institution uh, got right um, and or things that didn't go so well um, in terms of how they handled the, um, the transition. Just like Grace, um, I believe that my university uh, handled the uh, COVID-19 situation pretty well in terms of the pass no pass deadline, uh, that was a huge debate that was going back and forth. Um, for the longest time, students kept requesting it and uh, eventually our, our undergraduate student government, they had us take a, take a poll and then they were present at the board meeting where the actual voting happened with the administration and they presented the data and they ultimately decided to side with the students, which I think was like a very good uh, decision on their end. Um, so I feel like they handled that pretty well because they ultimately did the best thing for the students. So. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It sounds like all of you are at schools where, where um, the decisions were made, at least in that regard, in, in with the, with the, uh, the interests of the students uh, front and center. Are there other things, Renee, is there anything um, that you uh, can think of, think of in terms of either that your institution really got right or maybe didn't get so right? Um, well, originally when they told us that we had to go home, they gave us a specific date. And then once the situation was reevaluated and it became more serious and states started to go into lockdown, they moved that date like forward a week so yeah. it put more pressure on the students um and personally i have in, a lot of international uh friends so it was stressful for them um whether they're going to be able to go home and get a flight or they had to stay on campus um but one thing i did find really 
um, great that the university did was they extended our study period before finals. Mm. So instead of having the regular like one day um, as a study break before finals, they gave us I think two days and then like three class makeup days. So it gave you enough time to study um, and kind of get everything you needed to because you didn't have like the normal situation and the normal location that you would have or like a quiet place to study necessarily. Mm. So again, another great example of flexibility. Yeah, and responsiveness. So fun fun oh, go ahead. Sorry. Sorry. I think it's interesting, Renee, that um, your university extended the the period for you to study dur- before your finals, because at my institution, they actually deleted that period because they pushed the semester back um, one week because they gave us an extended spring break for the senior leaders of the university to decide what was going to happen with the university um, when we came back from spring break. And so the professors taught into the the study period that was originally planned out before finals. And so I think a lot of students were upset because our study period was cut short, but something that we all appreciated was the fact that a lot of the finals were open book and um, a lot of the standards for the classes were lowered, especially um, with in terms of grade cutoffs. And um, a lot of the professors were advised to reevaluate their syllabi and to make the class more approachable to students, um, especially mm-hmm. from home, because motivation was something that a lot of students struggled with, um, especially because we weren't um, on campus and we weren't challenged by our peers. Mm. So let's go a little deeper with that. You're really talking about how the classes were delivered. And I'm curious how you're, how you would evaluate now. You're all done, right? Are you all done with the semester? Yeah. I yeah, assume? yeah. Okay. So as you look back, um, how do you think your professors did? So you started, you started the spring semester in the classroom, right? You were all taking all your classes on, on campus. Then, uh, and then they they pivoted, and there you were with no no um, time to to plan for the change. How how do you think they did? What as you think about the ways in which your professors uh, switched it up? Um, what what went well, and uh, are there any courses that didn't go so well? In my situation, I had a full range. Um, I had one professor, my Spanish professor, actually, who was extremely caring. She wanted to check in with every single one of the students. Uh, We used class time um, to talk about how we were affected, but like we would do it in Spanish. And she was extremely lenient in terms of how we uh, did our tests, like the grading of the exams, like submitting the homework on time, stuff like that. And we were a smaller class, so she obviously had that flexibility, but I had another professor um, who taught my computer science class and he refused to be accommodating in any way. Um, We had to have our microphones monitored while we were taking exams. Mm -hmm. Um, He sent out multiple emails about uh, about, uh, cheating and how he was using an AI system so that way 
it would check to make sure that you weren't uh, your code didn't look anything like anyone else's code, which I felt like was very two extremes mm-hmm. where he didn't. Tr- oh, uh, one of my professors didn't trust us at all, and another one just wanted to make sure that we were taking care of ourselves and our mental health. Mm, so I experienced the full spectrum. That's quite an extreme, right? Between the two. Um, mm-hmm. Grace, how about you? I think I also experienced a, a pretty broad range of the way professors decided to deliver their courses. Um, as a pre-med student, I, had a, I was in a lab. Um, and that obviously can't really be done physically. Um, I think they did come up with a pretty good alternative. It was to watch um, someone else performing the lab and write a synopsis on that. Other than that, the assignments didn't change. They actually added some more assignments in addition, and they didn't change any of the deadlines. Um, the regular, the grading criteria I thought in that class was excessively strict, and they didn't really make any exceptions for people who were having difficulties outside. Um, but I did have other classes that did better, I think, um, at being more accommodating, who did trust their students, um, similar to Aquila, and had more open book, open note exams. Um, I also had professors that I think they were trying to make their courses more easy by changing the format of their class. Um, I had one class that changed a final to to uh, two essays and another class that changed two exams to 20 different assignments that were graded. And I found actually that in the process of trying to make their class easier, they actually made it harder. Um, (laughs) And I think a lot of this is because they didn't ask for any input before and if this was um, better for students. Um, And then when I talked to my peers in those classes, it was kind of a common consensus that Mm. this was actually a lot harder for students because the teacher, uh, the professor kind of made the decision on their own, which um, might've been better for some students, but worse for others. Mm. So, so how do you, did you learn as much Uh, as you would have otherwise? Personally, I did not um, retain a good amount from most of my classes. The ones that were, that didn't, there were a lot of classes that I think they took their lecture style and directly made that delivered through zoom or they they didn't change anything about the way they're delivering their class either some of those did that and it made it a lot more difficult to retain anything um like Feng Tao said motivation was something at a low you could just turn off your camera and do something else or go on your phone or something like that and it made it more difficult to kind of um put yourself into those classes like you could on campus so I think my learning definitely suffered during the virus which is partly on me um, partly on, I think the the way the courses were structured afterwards. So you're you're saying they didn't they didn't really change the way they teach. They simply used Zoom to deliver their lectures as if as if you were still there um, in the classroom for a good amount of them. Yes. Yeah, and there you were wherever you were, listening, watching through a screen, and yeah, I can. So um, did did any others of did did any of the others of you experience that with with classes that that you were in? Yeah, I experienced that especially with lecture classes because I could just turn my camera off. Mm-hmm. But I was in two discussion based classes, and um, the professors required me to turn my camera on, and obviously we had to talk to um, other students in the class. Mm-hmm. So in those classes, I feel like my learning um, was the same as it was um, before 
we had to go home. But definitely, definitely for my lecture classes, I was not learning um, as much as I should have because mm-hmm. I just wasn't engaged and I wasn't interacting with the information. So let me let me ask you, before this spring semester, had any of you taken an online course before? No, no, I personally had not. not. Okay, so none of you had taken. Um, so I'm curious whether your impressions about online learning have changed at all as a result of your experience this spring. So Feng Tao, have, have you changed your impressions at all? Yeah, um, my original impression of online school was that it was really easy, that um, people could just do it on their own terms, and that the standards were lowered and that like anybody could do if they wanted to. Um, but when I actually was forced to do online school, I really did not like it. And I actually thought it was harder than doing like school in person because um, I found it really difficult. Well, for example, I was taking a physics class this semester and I really struggle with physics and I um, like to attend um, office hours and I like to study with my friends and even then I still struggled to um, learn the, the information needed to do well in the class but then when I was forced to do it through online school um, I could no longer attend office hours um, because the wait the wait the waiting room on um, zoom was just too long and then um, I couldn't really study with my friends anymore because they were all living in different time zones. And so I felt less challenged to do well. And also my motivation was really low because I could do everything on my own terms, basically. And also um, there's a lot more distractions at home, especially because um, I just associate being home with like hanging out with um, my hometown friends and being around my family. And um, just those distractions aren't like conducive to um my studying. Yeah. Boy. Okay. Uh, Renee, how about you? Have your impressions about online learning changed? Um, yeah. Similar to Feng Tao, I kind of had a notion that online school was more of like an easier alternative that you can fit into like a busy schedule. And I also found it, I honestly found it really challenging. Um, having connections with my professors and with my fellow classmates and like retaining the information when Mm. you weren't in the class and you weren't forced to take notes yes that is a personal like issue that I wasn't motivated um per se to like take notes in class but um I just have more respect for people that do online class full-time um that they need to be in charge of their own motivation levels and have it at a constant high, even though no one is keeping you accountable for what you're doing. Mm, boy, that's important. Do, do you think any of you will take another online course? If it was up to you, uh, would you sign up for one in the, in the near future? I would take one, not as an alternative. If they had it live, um, like a live lecture, I would prefer it live. Um, but our institution for next year, as of now, is planning on doing a, a hybrid mode, I think, um, where classes are offered both live and um, online, especially for international students who may not be able to make it back to campus if, if we go back. Um, and I think that for um, classes that some people are taking where one live and there's another class that conflicts with that um, 
time and so they couldn't take both live but some people are taking it online and in that fashion I would choose to take an online class because I think it is um if you're not if I wasn't taking too many or all of my classes online I think I could enjoy one or two just not all of them being online and what would your reason being be for taking that one online? Um, the fact that I can't take them both in person, but also that I think um, if you're able to dedicate and by choice take one online, um, I think you have more motivation to do the work and the kind of adjustment that you would need for that platform if you knew you're going to be doing that in the first place. Um, and if you kind of knew how the course was gonna be structured in that format. Um, anyways, I don't think um, online learning is bad in all cases or it doesn't have to be harder depending on um how it's delivered and how you kind of approach it but i wouldn't want mine to be like that yeah okay so if you know what you're getting into is what you're saying in part too yeah. um so you're you're really leading us to the next question i had and um and it sounds like uh grace at least in your case you're hearing some things from your institution about what they might do in the fall um i'm curious if 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 any of your institutions have uh, made a public announcement yet about uh, what their plans are for opening in the fall? Um, my institution personally has not made any definite plans. They said that we should be expecting some sort of announcement late June, early July at the latest. Um, okay. The president of my university has um, had specific forums to talk about various options for the coming fall. However, yeah, nothing is definite until June or July. Mm, okay. And Feng Tao, how about you? Yeah. Um, my school has released a lot of emails, although nothing is for sure definite yet, but they were suggesting doing a trimester system instead of a semester system. And mm. they were suggesting essentially that the students would um, take classes for two out of three semesters or two out of three trimesters. And um, those, tri those two trimesters would be on campus. And for the third trimester, they'd be forced to go home and no classes would be taken during that trimester. So it's kind of a hybrid between a trimester and a semester system. Hmm. But um, the, um, the, the purpose of doing the trimester system would be to reduce the number of students on campus at one time and to avoid um, like contact, close contact with other people and therefore to enforce social distancing. Right. Um, yeah, but even if we were to go back to campus, they would still um, do classes online and we wouldn't be allowed to attend lectures or anything like that. Mm, boy, okay, so a lot of options that are being considered. If we learned anything from the rapid deep dive into online learning that happened this spring at our college campuses around the world, it is this. High quality, effective remote learning requires a lot more than just the technology. If you want to create rich and robust remote learning experiences, it starts with understanding how people learn and how to design learning environments and how best to use technological innovation to bring about these kinds of experiences. Institutions of all types and sizes are now looking for digital learning professionals who know how to use learning and curricular design principles 
technological tools and innovation and analytics to create robust and rich learning experiences for their students. This is the future of learning and the future is now. The Bay Path University newly launched Master of Science in Learning Design and Technology was created for just this purpose. The degree prepares professionals for what Inside Higher Ed recently called Higher Ed's hottest career field. In addition to learning about all of the breakthroughs in this new teaching and learning field, you will also gain hands-on experience designing innovative learning projects for real-time college classes and faculty. Upon graduation, you'll be highly marketable and ready to join this exciting new career field. The program is entirely online and can be completed in less than two years. For more information, visit the Bay Path University website at baypath.edu LDT. Applications are now being accepted for the October start. If you want to design the future of learning, take the next step. Visit our website today, baypath.edu LDT. So Grace, if let's say your president called you up, would you have any advice for that person about what you'd like your university to do in the fall? I think it's difficult to make a determination right now because I don't know exactly what direction this virus is going to go in. Um, obviously, safety first. If it's not safe to have students back on campus, I wouldn't. I wouldn't want that. Um, but I think that having students on campus, if it's plausible, is obviously just the most conducive to a good learning environment for college students. Having the the peers there, the professors for like Funkhouse had office hours and just the entire experience of college and learning. I think it's um, important to have a good amount of that um, live for students who did enroll in college for that live experience. Um, I think my advice would be, I guess, if that some of these classes can't be um, um, live and they have to be online or giving student giving students these options to have either way. So like, I like that hybrid mode. And um, for these um, online structured classes, I think making sure that they are designed with intent and not just copied over from the live version exactly over to the mm -hmm. online version because they're not the same and they have to be structured. So to make the learning really intentional to what it is that it's being taught is is important um, advice you'd want to pass along. Yes. Yeah. Um, so Fung Tao, Renee, anything you would add there? Any advice you'd give to your to your institution's leaders? Yeah. Um, something that I would advise is that I think that if we were to all go back to campus, it would be difficult to enforce social distancing especially because um, I know that a lot of my friends are naive, especially when we're um, all around each other. And um, it would be difficult for us to keep our distance from each other, um, especially like living together and also like going to club events and um, doing um, social activities. And so I think that um, 
something that I would tell my president is this might sound like very secondary, um, but if we can't hang out with our friends um, and if social distancing is still something that should be enforced, then we really shouldn't be going back to school at mm-hmm. all, especially because at the end of, um, well, at, when they were beginning to consider um, having all the students go back home, um, a lot of changes were happening that made going to school feel like I was living in a dystopian um, novel. Um, the dining halls were, um, there were a lot of changes in the dining halls um, and in the dorms as well. And we weren't allowed to congregate in groups of like 20 or more. And um, that was something that a lot of the students um really didn't take well and a lot of the students rebelled against those guidelines and I feel like there's no way to actually regulate um, social distancing once we're all on campus. Okay well that's that's a very um, that's a really important point that you're raising because if we know anything it's that things uh, won't be the same in the fall even if your campus is open there will there will have to be many many precautions that they take Uh, to ensure your safety and to ensure the safety of everybody on campus. And so you're raising a very important point. You know, how, how will that be to go back to your campus, but to have it not be the same and to have barriers put up to how you interact uh, with each other, with your peers, with your faculty. So um, would you still want to go back with that in mind? Um. I feel like if I were to go back and if lectures were um, online and if we weren't allowed to like congregate in large groups, then I would rather just do school at home because I feel like moving into school would just be a hassle at that mm, point. Okay. What about, what about the others? If your campus, uh, let's say your campus does decide to open, but there's going to be restrictions in terms of how you gather and maybe how you access different resources. Would that make a difference in your decision to go back to your institution? Grace, what do you think? I think I personally would really like to go back regardless of how many restrictions are, I I guess there is a, a limit to how much I would take, but mostly regardless of what restrictions are in place just because that is I think college for me has been um I really I would really like to be there for my um learning experience and for the rest of every the social part too um I think as a whole I can't have that experience at home um and I think I I would even even if we had dining halls and gatherings and lectures online and everything I would still prefer to be back so either way um I would prefer to go back okay Akila Renee I would like to be back on campus um at home I feel like I have other responsibilities and other things that take away from time that I could be spending during studying um like studying so I would definitely want to be back on campus just for uh better time management and Also, uh, even though I know that I can always call my friends online, it's just different. Like, I don't care if we would have to sit like 10, 15 feet apart um, outside of like some residential building, but I feel like that's a different experience. We can shout from across the street, anything. 
it's just I would take that over only being able to call my friends online when they live halfway across the country from me because time zone differences stuff like that yeah okay so the benefit for you outweighs the concerns you might have about going back so yeah uh, Renee you were going to say something yeah I agree I would want to go back um despite like possible changes that would be made um, within limits. Um, I think it's also really important um, to think about the workers at our school, the professors too, um, just a lot of the food service workers. Um, they work really long hours and they're exposed to all the students that come through and then bring it back to their families. Um, so I think that it's really also important for um, them because of those students may be social distancing. If you're going up to a counter to buy like a coffee or a bagel or something like that, that person could be exposed to hundreds of people throughout the day and that might not be the safest for them. Mm, boy, that's good. That's a, a good thing to keep in mind. Um, so let, let me circle back to this question about online classes. So it sounds like at, at maybe all of your institutions that you're going to have more online options available to you in the fall or maybe hybrid. Um, Grace has uh, offered one suggestion for her institution that if they do offer online to be much more intentional about way, the way the course is designed and delivered. Um, I'm, I'm wondering if any, uh, if Akila Fungtao, Renee, if you have anything you would add, if you're going to take an online course, what, what changes would you want to see to make it more, uh, more engaging to ensure that, that you're learning uh, more than, than maybe what was the case this spring? I think collaboration with other students is key. Um, I think I lost a lot of, um, a lot of interaction with the other students in my classes um, as we transitioned to online school because um, especially like in lectures, everyone had their cameras turned off and like nobody could see each other's faces. And um, we lost like the ability to study with other people, especially if they um, lived across the country. And um, so I don't know how um, schools could implement um, a greater sense of community and collaboration online, but I think that's something that okay. they should keep in mind. So building in more engagement with each other in the course, as, as opposed to it just being yeah. a static, uh, one-way kind of experience, I think is what, yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Anybody else have anything you would, you would add to improve? Yeah, I guess trying to make it as interactive as possible with um, the resources that we have through Zoom. Um, a lot of my professors did um, share their screen to like show clips or something that they would have normally showed when we were in class anyway. Uh -huh. That really helped um, bring a variety of like learning tools into our makeshift classroom. Mm -hmm. It kind of just helped re-engage students when like their minds were drifting to other places. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. These are all great suggestions. Um, anything else you would, you would suggest by way of improvement? You know, Akila, I'm thinking of the story you told at the very beginning, obviously um, uh, the, the tone and the attitude of the faculty member is everything. And if you feel like your faculty doesn't trust you, 
that that's not very conducive to learning, is it? Yeah, I feel like uh, if we were to have classes next semester, some professors that had a lot of uh, doubts and um, concerns when it came to academic in integrity, I hope that they ease up a bit and uh, finally like know to trust the students. Um, I would just suggest that uh, my professors, they tell you exactly what you're about to get into because I felt like that's something that I definitely did not know. For example, my internet was monitored during exams. Uh, any internet traffic in my house was monitored. So my professor would have access to anything that happened in that three hour period. So stuff oh, like, boy. yeah, stuff like that. Okay. I just felt like some, there were some privacy concerns. So if we were aware of them beforehand, we could actually address them rather than my professor telling us that this is something we would need to install three days before our exam and having no time to really have any dialogue, stuff like that. Yeah, for sure. Did any of you have friends or um, peers who, who, had act, who didn't have access to what they needed uh, in terms of technology? Was that an issue for anybody that you know? I had a, not exactly that situation. I did have a friend though that wanted to go home, but, um, or to a different place rather than campus. Um, they were in a very difficult situation though, and their home didn't have Wi-Fi, so they had to stay on campus and th they had a reason to stay on campus um, to that the, the, the um, school allowed them to stay, but that the fact that they wanted to leave, but they couldn't either because of their um, limitations um, to uh, Wi-Fi, kind of like that situation was difficult for them. Okay, sure. And that points up a problem that, that many have, uh, have noted is that for those, I mean, you all, uh, it sounds like you all are, are, are in somewhat of a privileged position. You had homes to go to, you had resources where you could, um, access your courses you had the technology you have it sounds like you've had private places where you could study um, so that you didn't have to to compete but there are uh, thousands of students in this country that 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 didn't have that kind of they didn't have that luxury and so um, that's certainly a concern uh, for the fall if these you know if 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 this is to continue at all in terms of the the learning being delivered online. So let me let me end with uh, a question. I'm curious, and it may, it still may be too soon for you to uh, to be able to reflect on this very deeply. But I'm I'm curious what you have learned in this short time. First of all, you couldn't have imagined a year ago, right, that this would be the way your your sophomore year ended. And uh, what? What have you learned thus far? Um, for me, I think mostly adapt in academic um, adaptability uh, with all the changes that have been happening, being able to be flexible with the professors that haven't been as flexible with us and just adjusting to all the different um, changes that all the, the professors have put in place and the institutions have um, gone along with. And then um, also I think appreciation for, like you said, we are in all, all relatively privileged situations um, where we have been able to um, work with the 
technology technology that um um we've kind of had to depend on but um i know a lot of others haven't been able to so appreciating what i have um for that i think has been a big part of what i've learned okay so adaptability i would imagine there isn't much that can be thrown at you now right grace that you wouldn't be able to handle after after experiencing this kind of a, a transition i i hope <laughs> <laughs> So, Funtao, Renee, Akila, and what what would you end on in terms of your learning? I would really like to stress uh, Grace's point of acknowledging our privilege. Um, one of my friends, her Wi-Fi would get cut out at unreasonable times because she had extremely strict parents. So, stuff like that, it kind of made me really grateful for my situation. Um, mm -hmm. I, I think... I would really stress uh, Grace's point of just uh, being able to acknowledge the privilege that we had. And that I think that's one of the biggest things that I learned during this online learning experience. Mm, boy, that's a, that's a big learning. Fun Tao, how about you? Yeah, for me, um, the whole experience really humanized professors for me. Um, before, I thought that professors were really scary and intimidating and they knew way more than me and I was just like intimidated by them but now um uh I see them more as humans especially because um uh for the most part before every class um my professors would be would offer like emotional support and um there would always be like a therapy session a little bit before class and um a lot of the professors are really um, adaptive, um, especially with changing their syllabi and lowering um, grade cutoffs. And um, it really taught me that um, professors shouldn't be, um, or they're not as scary as I um, once thought. And um, yeah, I think that that experience really um, improved my relationship with um, my mm. institution. And so I think that, um, yeah, even though the whole situation was really unfortunate, I um, am grateful for um, learning that. Yeah, the professors are real people, just like, just like all of us. Yeah. yeah, okay. And Renee, you get the last word here. <laughs> um, I agree with everything that everyone else has already said about um, feeling really fortunate um, to have a place where I can um, learn um, to the best of my ability in a quiet and um, safe location. Um, I also want to um, point out that I felt that I learned more about how to be an engaged and respectful citizen during this time. I had a lot of professors where at the beginning of each class we would check in with each other and speak if we felt comfortable about how we were doing where we were in the world and one positive thing that we had experienced that week and that kind of just reinforced the fact that yes we are at college obviously to get an education on whatever we're studying and kind of lean on each other for support and it kind of just brought in more of like a community aspect to college where maybe you're just rushing from class to class and you don't even sit and talk and ask someone else how they're doing so this experience just humanized how we felt about at least I felt about professors and about my fellow classmates mm, 
boy. And that's something you'll never forget. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, I just want to thank each of you again for your honesty, your willingness to share your experiences with our listening audience. Uh, you are all incredible young people, and uh, you give me hope in the future, knowing that uh, you're going to be going out and doing good things in this world. Melissa Morse-Olson, and you've been listening to Ingenious You. My thanks to our production assistants, Madeline Olson and Marcy Moore. Join me next week for another Ingenious You conversation with Dr. Amer Ahmed. On the heels of the George Floyd killing, colleges have an opportunity to reimagine their resources and their structures to humanize and to offer dignity to racially minoritized students and communities. And yet, while many leaders have issued strong words advocating for change, very few seem to know how to actually make this change happen. According to my guest, Dr. Ahmed, who is a nationally recognized expert in the field of intercultural communications on the college campus, change will not fully happen and it will not stick until institutions muster the courage to develop and to live out a strategy that makes this real. For example, according to Dr. Ahmed, many leaders use all of the right words, but then you look at the faces of who's getting promoted and who sits at the table where decisions are being made, and that tells you exactly how serious they are. Subscribe now to be sure you don't miss out on this timely conversation and to hear Dr. Ahmed's very practical guidance for how your campus can get beyond the words to do the things that will matter most. For now, thanks for listening. Be well and stay strong.